Amen. Take your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter number 19, if you would, please. Revelation chapter number 19. I don't know about all this emotionalism. I'm worried about it. No, I'm kidding. I watched him. I thought you were on a roller coaster there. That one time he went like this. Put your, I was like, man, I like that. You helped me. I'd have come just to watch you get in on this thing. That was a blessing. Revelation chapter number 19. And then just to find out, because I didn't know, you just been saved a short while. That's a blessing. You know what? It's good when new converts, I like that, because they hadn't been saved long enough to know you're not supposed to like it. They haven't been around church folks long enough to know you're supposed to be miserable about going to church and everything. And uh, I'd rather just have a church full of people like that, to be honest with you. I'd much rather have that than I would the other crowd that you can't help because they don't need any. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, I've enjoyed it. Take your King James Bible, Revelation chapter number 19. I figure I better say that. A lot of people, they just say, I love my Bible. I like my King James Bible. I like it real well. Revelation chapter number 19. If you're able to stand, would you stand with me? And uh, we'll read verse 11 down through the end of the chapter. It's kind of lengthy, so I'll read quickly. And then I want to read the first few verses of Revelation chapter 20 and give you the message for this morning. And uh, thank you again for the privilege to be in this meeting. And it is a privilege. It's an honor to be here. And uh, it's good to see so many preachers and uh, friends and those that we're acquainted with and get to be with you in a meeting. I really enjoy it. I had a young man ask me yesterday, he said, what advice would you give a young preacher? And I, I, I don't like that because I feel like I am one. You know what I mean? I am one. I want to stress that. I am one. It gets worse and worse every year. I was talking to uh, Brother Hewitt, who was at Brother Panther. I asked him how old he was. Not Brother Hewitt, Brother Panther. He said, I'm 28. And he said, how old are you? I said, man, I hated to say it. I'm 37. I used to feel, you, some of you say, that's young. Thank you. I appreciate that. But it does dawn on me I'm closer to 50 than I am 20 now. But anyway, he asked me, he said, uh, not, not the 50s old, Brother Randy. But anyway, uh, he asked me, what advice would you give a... I said, not the... Fit. I didn't know if you'd heard me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But anyway, he said, what... Well, oh, I, he did that last night. But anyhow, uh, he said, what advice would you give a young preacher? And I said, well, first of all, you better have a relationship with your Bible. A walk in the Word of God. And, uh, and then I said, make friends and counselors out of older men. Older men. I'll be honest with you, most of my friends in the ministry when I started out were old enough to be my father. And uh, I wanted to learn from men who already were where I wanted to get. And uh, you can make friends out of your peers, but make counselors out of your predecessors, those who've already gone ahead. And I appreciate the men, and, and I'd challenge you to do this. Don't come to me and ask me what advice would you give a young preacher, and I'm not rebuking. I appreciate that's an honor. But go to some of these fellows on the platform and others in these pews who've been preaching twice as long as I've been alive or in the ministry longer than I have been, and, and talk to them about that. And I appreciate our heritage, don't you? Thankful for that. Revelation chapter number 19, verse 11. The Bible said, And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron." And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet and the, uh, that wrought miracles before him 
with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse with which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. We have gone through probably the strangest days and some of the most difficult days, especially of my lifetime. Probably some of the worst days, spiritually speaking, even in my own personal life. Just when you're used to being busy and used to being in church about every night of your life and then all of a sudden all that's taken away. And then it seems like voices on the wrong side of things are magnified and they have the platform and it seems like our voice has been diminished and even canceled or silenced. Where we are, it was deemed illegal to go to church. And it was deemed illegal to sing inside of your church if you did go to church. And it just seemed like things were just all messed up for a little while. I came to the book of Revelation and I like the end of the story. I read the back of the book and the old song says, we win. For a little while this morning, I want to try to encourage your heart. Sometimes I think we watch too much Fox News and don't read enough Bible. For a little while, I want to try to encourage your heart and preach on this thought. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your power to preach. I pray you'd help me to get this truth across. I pray you'd help us to see things as they are and help us understand that at the end of the day, when the dust settles and the smoke clears, you're going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray you'd encourage your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It's been said that to which all scripture looks forward and to which all history presses is the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth. If you make a study of sermons from Baptist preachers of a century ago or even half a century ago, you notice it was common to see sermons on the subject of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I remember preaching with Brother Allen a couple years ago in Wetumpka, Alabama, and we preached together Monday through Friday, and I think every night of that meeting, he preached on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible prophesies of it. The earliest Christians preached about it. And the truth remains true in our day. In the future, King Jesus will come back to earth, and when he comes, Jesus is going to win. One day, the Lord Jesus will come back bodily to this world. Now, we understand he'll come back in the clouds and take the church up to be with him in the rapture. But at the close of the tribulation period, Christ will come a second time down to the earth and he'll destroy his enemies and take his throne. And when Jesus comes, Jesus is going to win. One day, those feet that walk the streets of Nazareth as a youth will walk, down, walk the streets of earth again. And when they do, Jesus is going to win. One day, those feet that traverse the troubled waters of the sea will touch down upon the earth again. And when they do, Jesus is going to win. One day, those feet that were anointed with spikenard and washed by Mary will once again touch down upon the earth. And when they do, Jesus is going to win. One day, those feet that were pierced by Roman nails will once again walk this earth. And when they do, 
Jesus is going to win. One of these days, Jesus will touch down on the Mount of Olives, destroy his enemies, and when Jesus comes, Jesus is going to win. Now, in our world today, it seems like things are falling apart. It seems like things are falling apart socially. It looks like things are falling apart morally. It looks like things are falling apart politically. It even feels like they might be falling apart spiritually. But if you're a student of the Bible, you understand things are not falling apart. Things are falling into place. And when the dust settles and the smoke clears, Jesus will reign on his throne and Jesus is going to win. Jesus came to the cradle in Bethlehem. Jesus went to the cross in Jerusalem. Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus will come in the clouds for the church. And then after seven years of tribulation, he's going to come again and he's going to overthrow the armies of the Antichrist. And Jesus is going to win. I believe we're living in the last of the last days just prior to the rapture. And the Bible says in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And can I say, neighbor, perilous times are already here. You watch the news and it's perilous. You listen to the reports and they're perilous. You read the paper and it's perilous. You listen to the average preacher and it's perilous. You check social media and it's perilous. We're living in perilous times. But that's no surprise because perilous times characterize the last days and neighbor, we're living in the last days. And just in a moment now, Christ will manifest himself in the clouds. We'll hear the shout. The clouds will roll back like a scroll. The dead in Christ will rise. Then we'll lose all gravitation, take a flight without an airplane, transportation on silver wings, and be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, I am not mid-trib, and I am not post-trib, and I'm not all millennial. I believe my Bible. I believe Jesus appointed me not to wrath, but I'm waiting on rapture and just any day now Jesus is coming for you and I. But that's not the last time Jesus will come down from heaven. In the rapture he'll come to the atmosphere and call his church up. But at the closing of the seven years of tribulation, he'll come down to earth and he'll reign as king. Now, when we consider the second advent, you have to understand it's in two parts. We have the rapture. That's imminent. Could happen any moment now. And then after seven years of tribulation, I don't want to stress it too much, but I kind of do. After seven years of tribulation, Jesus will come again and establish his kingdom here upon the earth. By the way, let me help all my contemporary brethren. We're not doing one iota of kingdom work right now. We're not living in the kingdom age. We're living in the church age. Can I say, if you don't understand how to rightly divide your Bible, you're not going to understand your Bible at all. Right now, God is dealing with the church. We are not Israel, and Israel is not the church. I've heard of this thing called replacement theology. It's 100% replacement and 0% theology. And they would try to say that God has discarded his children, that they're no no longer the apple of his eye but can I say God is not done with the Jew and the church has not replaced the nation of Israel they're two separate entities Israel is a physical seed the church is a spiritual seed Israel is a physical nation the church is a spiritual body Israel had a priesthood the church is a priesthood Israel looked for earthly inheritance ours is a heavenly inheritance Israel waits on national redemption I enjoy spiritual 
spiritual redemption. So when we talk about the tribulation period, we're talking about a time when the church has been taken off the scene and God will deal again with his chosen people, the nation of Israel. Now for the first three and a half years, there's relative peace. It's called the beginning of sorrows. But at the closing three and a half years of the tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble ensues and the Jewish people endure persecution and peril unlike any ever seen on the earth. There'll be famine, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be disease, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be plagues, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be earthquakes, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be wars, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be inflation, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be death, but Jesus is going to win. One day in the future, after the church is taken out of this world, they'll rise a politician. He'll have power over both religion and politics. He'll be shrewd and savvy. The Bible says he rises up out of the sea. No doubt he'll be a Gentile individual. He's well spoken. He's the darling of the political scene. This politician comes preaching peace and prosperity. His calling card is unity. But he brings in death and division. He'll exalt himself above all men and demand to be worshipped as though he were God. In his wake come all manner of horrible things that litter this world with devastation and death. But I don't want you to forget, Jesus is going to win. This man of sin, this man of sin, he's also called the dragon. He's called the beast. He's called the antichrist. The antichrist comes with his sword sheath and he offers peace, but he'll offer or he'll deliver anything but peace. Can I say ever since the first politician ever tried to gain an office, they've all come politicking and platforming on offering peace. Can I say none of them can deliver peace? No more than they deliver change. Just say amen right there. Can I say there won't be any peace on earth till the prince of peace till the king of Salem returns and rules and reigns this man of sin this man will come and promise equality and prosperity but he'll bring abject poverty among the masses of earth the antichrist will call himself a person of faith that's a term we hear today he'll be a person of faith he'll claim to be religious but his prophet's a false prophet and his religion is an apostate religion at the end of the tribulation period chaos and catastrophe breaks loose upon the earth. But I want you to remember this. Jesus is going to win. Satan will control the finances, but Jesus is going to win. Satan will control the food, but Jesus is going to win. By the false prophet, Satan controls the faith, but Jesus is going to win. The Antichrist will fulfill the prophecy of Daniel, and he'll walk into the temple and exalt himself as though he were God, the slickest politician the world has ever seen, having all power over all things, will walk into that rebuild temple in Jerusalem. He'll make a proclamation from the holy place that he must be worshipped as though he were God. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, the Bible said, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The Gentile nations will marry up with the false prophet, with the false religion of this antichrist. The apostate Jews will yoke up his way 
hell. They'll worship the beast as he preaches great blasphemies and claims great things. Notice this though. You read your Bible. Almost every passage that talks about the Antichrist also talks about the destruction and the doom of the Antichrist. It's a reminder all throughout the Bible. He might hold power for a moment, but Jesus is going to win. At that point, the remnant of Israel will have to flee to the mountains. They'll find themselves the object of horrible persecution. The Bible calls the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation the time of Jacob's trouble. But Jesus is going to win. The false prophet begins to perform miracles. He'll rise up out of the earth. Maybe he's a Jewish individual. He's charismatic in every respect. He's a crowd pleaser. He's a slick sermonizer. He's a showman. Very charismatic. He preaches great things and causes the world to worship the Antichrist. He comes in with a harmless persona, but he speaks like a dragon. He's just like Judas who had kissed the very face of Jesus while leading him on to Calvary. He heals the Antichrist whose head has been wounded in battle. He makes fire fall down from the sky like Pharaoh's magicians in Exodus. He works magic on behalf of the Antichrist. He'll lure in the masses with his signs and wonders driven Satanism. They're sent a strong delusion because the Holy Ghost has been taken out of this world. Satanic idolatry becomes the religion of the day. The flesh is exalted. They call for unity. Can't we all just get along? Millions are destined for hell and sent to the lake of fire because they rejected the gospel before the rapture. They said no to the free gift of salvation and now become charter members of the synagogue of Satan. But don't forget this. Jesus is going to win. The Antichrist will bring all the powers of the world under his rule. He'll break his Middle East peace deal with Israel and turn against the Jew. But Jesus is going to win in order to buy or sell. You have to take a vaccine. I mean a mark. I about said vaccine. In order to buy or sell, you have to take a mark. This legislation will be presented as social justice. They'll offer everyone equality. Just get the mark and then you'll have it made. The Bible says the number of the mark is 666. Without this mark, you won't have finances and you won't have food. You'll be bankrupt, barren, and murdered if you don't take the mark. But Jesus is going to win. Can you imagine a world where there's no influence of the Holy Spirit? You you think it's bad now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Can you imagine no still small voice? Can you imagine no comforting comforter? Can you imagine no light to guide your pathway? Can you imagine no prick of conviction? Can you imagine no calm reassurance? Can you imagine no touch or evidence of the Holy Spirit whatsoever? That's life in the tribulation period. But neighbor Jesus is going to win. Satan will have power, but Jesus is going to win. The Antichrist will be dictator, but Jesus is going to win. The the false prophet will be his pope, but Jesus is going to win. Every policy, every ordinance, every area of life will be controlled by the devil, but Jesus is going to win. For, the, for a season, the devil has his day, but Jesus is going to win. For a season, wickedness swallows up the world, but Jesus is going to win. The remaining Jews are forced into hiding in exile. Jerusalem is held by hell itself, but Jesus is going to win. God begins to execute judgment. He drops his sickle to thresh the tares and readies his feet for the wine press. The seals have been opened and the vials of God's wrath are poured out. The trumpet judgments take place and woes are pronounced upon this world. If you study the book of Revelation, there's 21, I think, specific judgments mentioned. 
in the book of Revelation, some of those last, the entire period of the tribulation period, and then some are just for spans of the tribulation period. But regardless, don't forget this. If you miss the rapture, neighbor, and stay behind, you're going to live through a time of awful and awesome judgment poured out upon this world. 12,000 men from every tribe of Israel are sealed and commissioned to preach. Those 144,000 witnesses declare the everlasting gospel in the midst of a world gone to the devil. Thank God some will believe out of every kindred, tongue, and nation, but they'll die for their faith. Wars are going to ravage this world, but Jesus is going to win. Famine's going to torment the people, but Jesus is going to win. A day's wage will only be enough to purchase a loaf of bread. But Jesus is going to win. The economy is going to collapse. But Jesus is going to win. Prices for food and the supply of food itself are all controlled by an antichrist government. But Jesus is going to win. A quarter of the world's population is going to die. But Jesus is going to win. One third of the ground will be cursed. But Jesus is going to win. One third of the waters are going to become bitter. But Jesus is going to win. One third part of the sea becomes blood. But Jesus is going to win. One third of the stars are falling from the sky but Jesus is going to win. A large percentage of animals and vegetation dies but Jesus is going to win. Men will gnaw their tongue for pain. They'll blaspheme God because of their delusion. One third part of the sun is darkened and the days are shortened to 16 hours as the rotation of earth is off its sword and all of a sudden Jesus is going to come back and win. Think about it. Smoke rises from the bottomless pit. It casts a shadowy haze upon on this world. Locusts fly out of that smoke and begin to torment men but Jesus is going to win the Euphrates River will dry up preparing the way for the gathering of the world's army to a great battle. I was reading a little bit of Cohen Jeremiah how Jeremiah took that book of judgment coming to Babylon and cast it there in that Euphrates isn't it funny how God dries it up and the armies of the world and the Antichrist have to step over that book of judgment on their way to that great battle Jesus is going to win the mountains and islands are moved out of the way and Jesus is going to win. Four angels keep the wind from blowing. Jesus is going to win. The environmentalists and the tree huggers watch as their little G God is being destroyed and it reminds them Jesus is going to win. Humanity is stricken with disease. Wars increase. Earthquakes happen in diverse places. Men desire to die, but death flees from them. They must suffer for their idolatry and their lack of repentance and salvation. And Jesus is going to win. Can I stop and say quickly, if I weren't saved, I think I might get saved right now. I wouldn't want to go through one split second of that. I wouldn't want to have to live through that. I wouldn't want to have to experience that. If I wasn't born again, I wouldn't worry what people thought. I wouldn't care what they might say. I wouldn't wait on invitation. I'd run to an old-fashioned altar. I'd cry out in repentance to God, and I'd beg Him to save my soul. Jesus could come back today, and when Jesus comes, He's going to win. The Jewish remnant will be forced to endure till the end. They'll be hated and hunted. They'll be tormented and targeted. They'll hide in caves and in the hills. Two-thirds are martyred for their faith. But Jesus is going to win. Isaiah 66 tells us that all of Israel will be born again as if they were a single man. Israel as a nation will be pardoned and cleansed and justified and purged. And Jesus is going to win. Two witnesses appear from heaven. I'm not going chronologically. I'm just giving you information. Two witnesses appear from heaven and prophesy for 42 months. I don't know who they are and you don't either, so let's not argue about it. They have power to shut up heaven to turn water into blood and to cause pestilence upon the earth. If 
fire proceeds from their mouth to devour their enemies. After 42 months, the beast rises up and kills the two witnesses and their bodies lie dead for three and a half days in the streets of Jerusalem. But after three and a half days, those two witnesses are resurrected and they ascend to heaven, reminding the world Jesus is going to win. Suddenly an earthquake shakes Jerusalem and one-tenth of the city falls. 7,000 men die in the city and reminds them Jesus is going to win. An angel announces from glory, the end is at hand. Adam forfeited his dominion and his rights to the earth when he fell in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus purchased that title deed back when he shed his blood on Calvary and he's about to come back and claim what's rightfully his. The day is at hand when iniquity will be dethroned and righteousness reigns. Jesus is going to win. The time is approaching when the government will be upon his shoulders and Jesus is going to win. The throne's about to be occupied by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and Jesus is going to win. Can you picture the scene? The armies of the world are gathered together for battle. They've come from the four corners of the world. The armies of the Antichrist are assembled. A confederate force of ten kingdoms or ten united nations is prepared for battle. Soldiers are lined up as vast as the sea and as thick as the sand in the desert. They march toward Jerusalem and meet for battle in Armageddon. Half of Jerusalem's overtaken by warring armies, but Jesus is going to win. On earth it'll be a scene of carnage, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be death on every side, but Jesus is going to win. There'll be devastation beyond belief, but Jesus is going to win. The Valley of Jezreel will be strewn all over with the body of dead soldiers but Jesus is going to win the devil's having his day but Jesus is about to have his day the antichrist has enjoyed power but Jesus is about to remind them who has all power the false prophet has deceived the masses but Jesus is about to come and reign in truth down with the dictator and up with the king of kings the antichrist had appeared on a white horse offering false promises but one's about to appear on a white horse whose name is faithful and true. I can hear the chariots rumble. I can see the marching throng. The fury of God's trumpet spells the end of sin and wrong. The king is coming. The king is coming. In heaven, the marriage supper of the lamb has just concluded. The bridegroom has been reunited with the bride. The judgment seat has taken place. Crowns have been cast at Jesus' feet. The announcement is made up in glory that the time has come for the Lord to inherit the earth and shouts of hallelujah echo through the halls of eternity. The last time Jesus came to Jerusalem, he came riding in on a donkey, waving palms. This time he'll come riding a white horse with his saints on the side. On earth it's been hell, but heaven's on the way. On earth it's been tribulation, but truth is on the way. On earth it's been plagues, but peace is on the way. And Jesus is going to win. The blood of martyrs has long stained the soil of this world. As they cast our brethren in arenas, burned them at the stake, put them in miry dungeons and pits, tortured and tormented them. But on this day, the Lord's going to water this world not with the blood of martyrs, but the blood of his enemies. Sin has a wage and they're about to receive their full payment for sin. The first time he came for Calvary, but this time he's coming to conquer. There'll be no nails in his hands this time. There'll be no thorns in his brow this time. There'll be no scourge on his back this time. There'll be no spit on his face this time.
Israel's longed for a king and looked for a Messiah since David ascended their throne. They'd hoped for a kingdom and prayed, Thy kingdom come, but thank God, now their kingdom is at hand. Finally, the seventh angel pours out his vial and a voice resounds in heaven, It is done. John tells us what he saw and one day what every one of us is going to get to see firsthand. In Revelation 4, John watched as the church went up, but now John gets to watch as the church comes down. Suddenly the heavens open and a rider appears on a white horse. The name of the rider is Faithful and True. On his head are many crowns. He's wrapped in a vesture, dipped in blood. He's called the Word of God. That's the same one they called the Ancient of Days. That's the same one they called the Bread of Life. That's the same one it was the Consolation of Israel. That's the same one it was the Daysman. That's the same one they say it was Everlasting God. That's the same one who forgave my soul. That's the same one who's the Lord of Lords. That's the same one who reigns supreme. That's the same one who is my Savior. That's the same one who died for me. That's the same one they spat upon. That's the same one they crucified. That's the same one they reviled. That's the same one they mocked. That's the same one they made fun of. That's the same one they tormented. That's the same one they said was crazy. That's the same one they said was a liar. That's that same one. In his hand is a rod. In his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword. At his side are angels. And you and I who've been saved. On his vesture it says, in unmistakable language, he is the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. He's no longer the meek and lowly lamb. But now he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not coming to be sacrificed. He's coming to be sovereign. That Jewish prayer, thy kingdom come, is now fulfilled as Jesus comes. In Revelation 17, 14, it says the lamb shall overcome them. For he's the Lord of lords and the king of kings. The remaining stars fall from the sky. Men hide themselves in rocks. Idols are thrown into caves. The enemy armies are killed by the word that comes out of his mouth. The blood of the slain rises up to the bridle upon the horses. Fowls of the air gather and picket the bodies of those who denied our God. It's a bad day for the devil. The Babylonian system falls. The devil's empire crumbles. The satanic church is destroyed. The antichrist and false prophet are cast alive into a lake of fire. That old serpent, the devil, is bound with chains and cast for a thousand years into a bottomless pit. And they say, it is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. Those Jewish people had wept for a long night, but they found weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The son of righteousness has now arisen, and there's healing in his wings. Israel's restored. Order's restored. Thank God the nations are judged. Peace is brought in. Israel gets their inheritance. The lion lays down with the lamb. The child will play by the adder's den. Jesus marches to that eastern gate. He marches through that eastern gate. He marches into that throne. That holy. He marches into that, that temple. It's been his all along. He goes through that eastern gate and marches right up to that throne that's his by heritage. It's his by providence. It's his by promise. Crown him with many crowns. The lamb upon his throne. 
Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee and hail him as the matchless king throughout eternity. And I try to encourage you and tell you that the entirety of this Bible summed up in a nutshell is in those two words, Jesus wins. You read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation and here it is, Jesus wins. You choose a chapter and study it out and you'll learn the truth, Jesus wins. You pick a verse and dissect it and it preaches to your soul. Jesus wins. The devil was told that in, in, in Eden. Pharaoh was told that in Egypt. David saw that in Goliath. Jericho saw that when the walls fell down. The fall of Nebuchadnezzar reminded the world the virgin birth of Christ and the victorious resurrection all preached that Jesus is going to win. In mockery, Pilate nailed that sign above his head. Hail, King of the Jews. But one of those days... It's not going to be in mockery. And it's not going to be just king of the Jews. It's going to be Lord of all. Preacher alluded to it a little bit ago. When we started out in this thing and our church got shut down and all the things that happened where we're at, we said amongst ourselves there's going to be casualties. And we didn't mean casualties from COVID. We meant spiritual casualties. And that's been true. I don't know what your attendance is. Our attendance is not what it was before. Offerings are up, but attendance is not what it was. And there are people that, are, that were plugged in and never missed a service that we hadn't even seen back yet. Now, they'll go play baseball and they'll go to Walmart, but they, they're scared to go to church for COVID. We've seen marriages fall apart. We've seen young people make stupid decisions. We've seen people move out of state for money, different things. I always say you never make a decision in the heat of a moment because you're always going to make a dumb decision. Wait till the storm's over and then set sail. But there's been casualties. And I think if we're not careful, because it looks so dark and it looks so difficult and it looks like we're on the losing end of things, we forget, uh-uh. Jesus wins. This is the most hell I'll ever have to live through. And it's pretty good right now. Jesus is going to win. It might look dark, but listen, Jesus is going to win. It might feel hopeless, but Jesus is going to win. It might not feel like it every day, but it's still true. Jesus is going to win. So here's my advice to you, preacher. Keep preaching your Bible. Here's my advice to you. Keep running your buses. Here's my advice to you. Keep teaching your Sunday school class. Here's my advice to you. Keep praying prayers. Here's my advice to you. Keep loving God. Here's my advice to you. Don't sell out. Here's my advice to you. Keep your standards up. Here's my advice to you. Don't go to the world. Here's my advice to you. Just stay in love with the Lord. Amen. Because one of these days, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he wins. Amen. I like that song, I'm on the winning side. It doesn't say I'm going to be on the winning side. It says I'm on it right now. I want to just remind you this morning, try to encourage your heart. Hey, listen. You're not on the losing end of this thing. Jesus is going to win. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you.